poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of Chasing Poker Greatness, Coach Brad Wilson. And today I am joined by Duncan Palamortis because it is Philosophical Friday. Duncan, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, Brad. How's everything with you? Everything's going quite well. It's getting warm outside. It's getting nice. About to open the pool. I'm pumped. I love being outside and, and smelling all, all the nice smelly smells of the, the outside world. Stopping and smelling the roses, huh? Yeah, I, I love smelling the roses, actually. <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs> I, I used to have a friend, you know, like I would stop, I would go to like uh, by the beach in, in Santa Monica. And every like five, ten, you know, minutes, I would stop and just smell the roses. Like, Duncan, come on, we're walking here. <laughs> it's like, you really have to stop. And it smells like, look at them. I mean, they're, they're so nice. So, there I get you go. It. Um, so this week, not much has happened in poker, I guess. This week, huh? It's been been a quiet, quiet week all all, all around. We had the Hustler live stream that went absolutely <laughs> bananas, and including a possible, you know, our favorite topic, uh, angle shot by Phil Helmuth. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can get into another time, I think. But w- yeah, we have the everybody that's been a longtime listener of philosophical friday knows our thoughts on you know angle angle shoots at this point in time um my only comment is that i think it looks bad i don't think that he necessarily was out of line in that hand just because it was like a home game like atmosphere and he was giving tom duana sweat i believe they just didn't have a, a good angle on it Right. They didn't have a good camera. And uh, I mean, judging by his face, uh, he was uh, trying to uh, give uh, Tom Duan his cards to, to see these cards, which is very typical in private games, but not when you're playing with amateurs. So if there is anything, you know, any foul plays that he didn't clearly explain himself, he didn't say, I, dude, I'm not folding my hand. I'm just passing it to Tom Duan. He should have clearly stated it. Well, because again, like you're playing with a lot of amateurs and they trust you. So you, you gotta, you know, like I, I, I think. I think another thing that was confusing, I think Tuckman on the call said that Phil folded. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- when he said that, then I think people got confused. What I actually think was confusing was, or what confused um, the villain in the hand was that uh, Phil turned his hand face up and mm-hmm. the villain assumed that that was a fold. Um, right. But, you know, in a cash game, like, I'm assuming right. where they're playing at Hustler, like you can turn your hand face up once the action's like gone, right. or finished or whatever, which was the case. And so I think that that was like the confusion mixed in with like Tuckman um, thinking that Phil folded because he pushed his cards forward, um, giving Tom Dwan a sweat. And then when he turned his cards over, uh, I think that that was where everything got super confusing. But- Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, this is not a universal rule. There are some casinos that if you turn your hand over, your, your hand is dead. In most casinos, to be fair, your hand is still alive. The, yeah. the, the casinos don't care. But there are there are places where you, you, your hand is actually dead. And and 
and they were playing with amateurs. So um, one should be very, very careful. And incidentally, for David Tuckman that, that you mentioned, he, for all we know, he may be looking at the same camera we are. He probably right? so, is. Yeah, He's yeah, probably he just probably, looking at the monitor. And monitor, so right. It looked like a fold, right? Like, it did, it did look like, it, it like, like a fold. clear fold, yes. But I mean, his facial expression was not like, you know, oh, I got you or I was trying to, to angle shoot. So like if we, we read everything, like he was so adamant that he didn't fold his hand afterwards. I mean, it would have been like the greatest angle shooting in history for just, you know, like 5K. <laughs> right. Just ruining your career. I mean, it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all. But yeah. I will and, say that there, there's a time and a place too for like the Helmuth Youth blow up, which I, I haven't seen yet because this is all very fresh and the stream is eight eight hours long and it was oh, yeah. like apparently lots of action, but apparently he did have like a meltdown somewhere. Oh, he did? I think oh, uh, so. That's what I heard. And Phil Helm had a meltdown. I know it's shocking, right? <laughs> I would say that what's different about this would be the environment that he was in, where right. he, you got to read the room, right? Like absolutely. If you're at the WSOP and you're playing with a bunch of like seasoned professional grinders, and you have a meltdown and you yell at, you know, you yell at me for ten minutes straight, it's not going to affect me at all. However, you yell at people with giant followings when poker is getting lots of eyes on the game itself because of the influencers involved. I think that's just like bad form and just kind sure. of, kind of silly, but I mean, you know, Phil Hellmuth is going to Phil Hellmuth. So what, what can you do? What, what can you do? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, incidentally, since this is philosophical Friday, one comment uh, I want to make, if I may, mm -hmm. that I agree with you that, you know, like having somebody yelling at you, as a professional, like you said, uh, you wouldn't be affected. And I and I understand. I, I usually agree with that situation. That being said, uh, just for the listener out there um, or the viewer, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong. If somebody yells at you, it doesn't matter what their first or the last name is. You can actually call the floor. Like you don't have to deal. Like, I mean, poker tournaments can be very stressful situations. It doesn't matter who that person is. You don't have to take that nonsense from anybody. Like that's that, that's one thing that uh, you know uh, I I per personally learned you know you just have to stand your ground um, and people have to stay within the line they all we all play under the same rules even though some people are more profitable to the to the casinos and uh, the brands uh, uh, than others and it's usually sometimes more often than not I am the first one to say that having a thick skin is the best way to deal with situations however there's instances where progressively somebody takes more and more of your space if you let them, that is actually a bad thing. And you do want your space. You do want your space to think. You do want your space to, you know, have like a, a, a peaceful environment. So if it's something that, you know, whatever, I mean, the guy is just wanting to blow off some steam. It doesn't matter. He lost a big part, you know, and, and, and you don't want to say anything to let the game going. That's great. And actually, that's a good thing. That's anti-fragile. But if you see progressively somebody, you know, getting more and more of your space to the point that you've given up, uh, enough real estate at the poker table, th that shouldn't be okay at all. And, agreed. you know, you should speak up for yourself. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving on to today's topic on Philosophical Friday. Uh, have a post by Rollo in the um, Philosophical Friday discussion channel in Greatness Village. That's at greatnessvillage.com if you want to hop in and join the discussion about Philosophical Friday as, as well as, you know, all the other things that are happening in the poker world as well as a daily uh, Wordle thread in the water cooler, by the way, for you, the, you Wordle fanatics out there. I know um, <laughs> it's a very polarizing game, this Wordle. Um, 
I, I used to play that as a, as a kid, by the way. It, used to, uh, it was called Mastermind at the time. I don't know if you heard of it. It was a, a very popular game in the 80s slash 90s. And I, I used to play that as a kid. I, I loved it. It was about colors, though. It wasn't about uh, words, which is similar. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember that. But okay. I, I believe you. It's, it's too simple of a concept to have never, you know, uh, gone down before. Right. Um, but so Rallo in, in the Philosophical Friday discussion channel uh, had a topic idea and, or had a question. Uh, what poker skills are applicable to life outside poker? Do I have an example of times a poker skill has benefited you in life outside poker? Um, thank you, Rallo, for the great discussion I idea. Don't. And so now we're going to dive into this topic and I'll throw the ball to you first, Duncan. Absolutely. And, uh, and just as a reminder, this is an excellent topic. And if you guys have any other uh, ideas, questions, or comments, uh, or even objections, I mean, we love those too. We can actually talk about them and try to, uh, you know, go into the nuance. Uh, but yeah, let's start with uh, one, one simple question, right? Let's try to, to build uh, the, the topic up to, to finding skills which are applicable outside of uh, the poker table. First of all, um, is poker in general uh, useful uh, beyond the tables? In other words, uh, what somebody is, uh, are there any, any skills in general that somebody would need in other areas of life, Brad? Yes. Excellent. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The answer is indeed yes. Breaking news. <laughs> Break, breaking news. <laughs> so um, what would you say some of these uh, skills are? Um, you know, regulation of emotions um you know logical critical uh reasoning critical thinking um i think patience uh is one of them i, I think uh, being process oriented is another useful skill way outside of poker um and i think you know, those are the ones that come to my head kind of instantly. Which ones am I missing out here? Oh no, this is this is great. I mean, I was just add also the the idea that uh, um, people learn to deal with with other human beings a lot. It it is it is a social interaction, especially if you're playing live. So knowing well, it how can be okay. <laughs> I, I've met a lot of poker players who play at a relatively high level who have not learned that skill over time. You're absolutely correct. And actually, I would say that uh, this is a skill in and of itself to deal with this kind of people at the poker table, right? The people who don't want to talk to you or the people who do not want to interact or learning how to deal in a silent table. That, that happens sometimes uh, in, in work environments, right? So again, being in a place where other people exist, right? It, it falls under the umbrella of people skills, right? You have to deal with people who are next to you, whether or not you interact with them or not. It's it's a different story, but you have to to learn how to coexist with with a bunch of people for a significant period of time. So I would say people skills. My personal favorite is that it adds a perspective to luck, uh, which is not necessarily believed at first glance. What do I mean by that is that we do not have a sense of how much um, influence luck has in our lives. Uh, the fact alone that we were born uh, and we were, you know, basically in competition with uh, uh, with a bunch of other <laughs> sperms and, and eggs uh, in, in this case, and we were the ones who who made it through. The fact that we survived, you know, uh, 
child mortality, the, the fact that, you know, we, we made it the way we are today, all of these lack factors, like have, if we have a roof above our heads, if we have food on our table, like all of these things are uh, the, the fact that we're born in the place where we're born and I could go on forever. Yeah. So these Sh are things shout that out, shout out to all those billions of, you know, my sperm brothers that didn't make it. Um. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Sorry guys. <laughs> And sorry, you don't have any ears to hear that, but you know, the, <laughs> but that's correct. You know, so there is a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, lack, lack that we take for granted and poker sort of like reminds us that, right? I mean, it reminds us that, uh, uh, you know, things don't always go as they are supposed to. There's not really, I would argue, supposed to, there's no supposed to in life. You know, it either happens or it doesn't with certain probabilities. And, you know, if we're lucky enough, it, it goes sort of our way. Um, Pressure. But that, it, Pressure gives us is another one. Pressure, yes, very, very, very good. And uh, anyway, so a lack perspective, and um, I think in general also, um, it, it is such an intense experience that um, I would also say that in a in a meta level helps a little bit with philosophy. It helps you know put things uh, more things in perspective, not just lack, many, many things, many things in perspective. You know what matters, uh, what doesn't. You know. You know, life giveth, life taketh away. Things like that can actually be triggered um, um, by interacting with at, at the poker table. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes. Though I, I will say this: uh, in my experience, at least, po the lessons that you learn from poker can both be beneficial and not so beneficial when you interact with people who have not learned the same lessons that you have. Um, you know, looking at things through a lens of like data. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of looking through the lens of, you know, one life experience, um, you know, just as a quick little anecdote, uh, flag football is one example that comes to my mind really quickly of understanding that, like, when you run a play, um, it has an average, right? Like it's going to work X amount of time for X number of yards and recognizing that, like, yeah, that means that, like, you can run it three times in a row and, it, nothing happened, right? And, and it go poorly. However, you know, we're taking the the long-term approach here of saying like, if we run this a thousand times, it will average X number of yards or we'll have X amount of success. And that's a hard thing to relay to other people who are just like very focused on the one uh, sample size for a specific situation that I think can, yeah, that can be a tough bridge to gap for poker players uh, in the real world, because I think human beings by and large sort of live in that sample size of one and believe th through the lens of that sample size of one, which is where, you know, a lot of social issues kind of spring from. Exactly. And, and I would add to that, uh, you know, living in the world of results orientedism, you know, the idea that everything uh, depends on what results we saw. Um, this is, uh, Part of a bigger issue, and I think you alluded to it in your last sentence, every time two humans interact with one another and have different perspectives, there's going to be difficult difficulty in communication, unless uh, they can actually agree at a meta level, which is, again, you see why meta humility can be so uh, helpful, right? I mean, the understanding that these two people have different perspectives. So you can have a disagreement in a conversation with two people having different perspectives uh, without understanding that they have different perspectives. And you can have a disagreement, uh, even though they do understand they have different perspectives. But there is going to be a disagreement 
if there are different perspectives. And uh, that can happen whether we're talking about the law of large numbers, as so eloquently you described, the idea that, you know, long run takes time to materialize, uh, or whether or not we're talking about politics, we're talking about, you know, personal relationships or whatever it is. Um, as long as people have different perspectives, they're, they're, they're going to be disagreements. Um, but, 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 but just one more thing just sparked in, in, in my mind. The, seeing that difference that you just mentioned right now, right? The, seeing the difference that, oh, you know what? I, I see the person having three failed attempts uh, at, the, at the football uh, field. And I understand that that could be just a long stretch of bad luck from an otherwise good strategy. And I know that that could be the case, but the other person sees it as, you know, three failed attempts. They think that the strategy doesn't work and we have that disconnect. Maybe, perhaps maybe if the topic was different, I would be on the other side of the argument. I would be the ignorant one, right? So maybe, so what that can help can help us understand that, listen, something that feels so obvious to me, because again, I've been at the poker table, maybe it's not so obvious for the other person. Maybe the, the roles can be reversed. So again, it can potentially, depending on how open we are to accept new things, that can actually open a bridge to humility. And in that case, again, meta-humility the, the, and be able to connect with, with more people. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, last week when your suggestion regarding like RTA was basically to just let everything, you know, just uh, battle royale, no holds barred, everything goes type situation. And the more that I thought about that approach, the more I recognized like it's at least honest, right? Like it's a very honest approach and um, everybody knows what's going on. Like everybody knows what they're get getting into, which is sort of like how poker was meant to be, right? Like that's, you sit down at a poker table playing in live poker um, you know what you're getting into, you know the game that you're playing, and then you just play the game and let the chips fall where they may. Well, online poker these days is not exactly like that, right? Where you are playing a game and you don't know what game you're playing um, for the most part. So like, I do see that there is a lot of merit to your suggestion last week and um, really shifted my opinion on that. Uh, although again, I, I think the problems do exist by and large um, in the poker community, in the poker world, and playing on the poker platforms. But I do see that that, that idea has tons of merit um, the more that I, I sat with it after our discussion last week. Thank, thank you. And, and, and to your point, uh, uh, the, the problems, like you said, the problems do exist. And this is not so, some sort of like a panacea. It's not like, oh, we do this and the problem is, right, is resolved. Right, right. The, 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 the suggestion is, is mostly of the kind, let's try this, see what happens and tinker from there like you know my approach is more of the kind you know let's try let's give the opportunity to the good guys to to fight back because the the good guys at this point have have two bad options one option is to not play at all and and another option is to do something that goes against their ethical code well, because there's, there's a third option right you just take it i mean oh, sure yeah just exactly deal with it right which i which i think that third option is where you know 99% of online poker pros fall into is they just say, okay, this is part of the price of doing business and, and just right. deal with it. Right. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. I, I, okay. Very good. So they basically accept, they accept the, you know, the, 
the disadvantage that they're going to get uh, against uh, the the cheaters. Sure, absolutely. Right. And I yeah. And for the record, too, I, it is very frustrating. That that is a very frustrating experience knowing that you're deep in the decision tree, like a place where I I've typically thrived in my career. You know, John calls it woodshedding, right? Of like getting into this situation that's somewhat foreign for both players and then both and then doing your best to navigate it to the best of your ability. That's a place where I've typically thrived as a poker player over the years. And whenever, um, you know, I, I find myself getting into those spots and like villains tank and then eventually come to a conclusion that is way outside of how players typically play. And you see it again and again and again and again and again. That is exceptionally frustrating when you're playing poker because that's, you know, that's basically my edge being mitigated by some outside force. And there's really there's nothing I can do about it. Exactly. And it may even take a long, a long time. Again, tying back to the, the law of large numbers you mentioned earlier, it may take a long time to figure out that there is actually a pattern because again, it could be just a matter of could stretch, be. right? Yeah. Yeah. Could, that's could could be. However, you see it many times, especially, you know, there are some situations that are that are relatively foreign, but the pots are not that big. And most players don't typically take a ton of time on their decision making when the pots are not very big. And you just see it like becoming a thing now where, okay, it's a spot where, you know, one bet goes in on the river and it's like a three X bet. And then it's this big tank or a two X bet or 1.5 X or whatever it is. And players start magically playing better in those spots. And that's mm -hmm. like, it's frustrating, right? From, from the professional poker player standpoint. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, uh, now, th this is actually an excellent segue to another potential skill, which is uh, dealing with uh, the fact that, uh, I guess I'm taking that for granted, the fact that life is not fair. I don't know if you want to yeah. push me push, no, push no. me back at all. Okay. So dealing with the fact of life that, you know, life is not fair. And uh, um, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Has poker helped you in any way? Uh, you just reminded me of this, just, you know, that, the, you know, life, is not fair. Has poker helped you in any way to, to deal with this? Sure. Absolutely. Right. Like just sometimes the outcome is not measured in the energy that, that you put into a thing. And like, it's not fair. Sometimes other people put very little energy into a thing and their outcome is outsized for what they've done. Right. Um, and I would say that Poker has helped me deal with that, even though I still struggle, right? Uh, as a, a human being, I, I do struggle. You struggle? Um, <laughs> I struggle. Hey, I struggle. Brad Wilson, the, you struggle? Is the, wow, that blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, people, we all struggle on a daily basis. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Um, but yeah, just, it, it certainly has helped my life knowing that you do the best that you can let the chips fall where they may, um, learn from your experience and try to do better next time and just iterate over time, every single time examining, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, quote unquote loss, whether it be quote unquote, win, looking at it as objectively as you can and, and trying to gain from the experience and extract the lessons to be learned. Because ultimately those lessons are what give us value moving forward into the future. So yeah, th this is sort of like, my whole life philosophy, um, if you will, like, let's try something, do the best that we can. If it falls flat on its face, 
so be it. Let's see what we learn. And in that way, like I really don't look at things and wins and losses so much anymore. It's just one giant learning experience. Absolutely. And, and, and notice how like a lot of those things scream the influence of poker, right? I mean, I don't see wins and losses anymore because again, as poker players, we cannot afford to look, to look at wins and losses because we have so many losses all the time. So that we need to find a way to deal with this, right? So we learn to not necessarily become um, non-sensitive anymore, not, not necessarily become insensitive, I should say, but it is more, um, we, we learn how to, to deal with this on, 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 a, on a frequent basis. Which, which I would say is, is, is great. Uh, the metaphor that I like, I like to give is that um, poker is like life in many respects. You know, sometimes in life you do the wrong thing and you get rewarded, like parking in the wrong parking spot. You know, you're not supposed to and you don't get the ticket, right? Or you do the right thing and you get penalized, like you're being nice to a person and then they backstab you. But you do the right thing long enough you're going to be usually okay. And you do the wrong thing long enough. I mean, eventually you're going to get caught parking in that parking space or worse, you know, like, you know, so of course, sometimes that doesn't happen also, you know, like you're going to have, I don't know if you've seen those, those graphs, you know, the, in, uh, how, how, how is that, um, website is, it's called these days. It used to be called, uh, um, Poker EV plus plus or something back in the day. I, I forget there, the exact there's, name. There's prime but, prime dope now, like very very prime calculator. Dope. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's how it's called these days. Thank thank you, Brad. And uh, I mean, you can see you can run simulations. People who win with like I don't know, like two BBs per hundred or something like that. Something very low, to, to be fair. And they can be losing players. So sometimes over like a, a stretch of hundred thousand hands or something. So. We got to accept that too, that, you know, the long run is much longer than we think. And, you know, some people are going to have like the short end of that straw. So it's, it, it, it is, it is reality. So very real. Yep. And it's a, it's a great lesson from poker. I had a thought and then it just like flew right out of my brain. I, I can't remember what I was thinking. Um, help me out, Duncan. Give me a, absolutely. Give me a, give so, me a talking point. Pull, pull me up here. I, I'm floundering. Absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. We, we can talk about this topic all day, every day. Now, you are I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> you're, struggling. you're struggling again? <laughs> it's a, did we just go over this, Brad? Brad Wilson never struggles. You know, yeah. <laughs> we just, I don't want to hear anymore. You don't <laughs> need to struggle. You're better than this. Rise above it. Okay. So, um, the, uh, um, you're you're a business you're a business person, right? So you are and a poker player at the same time, and uh, uh, very successful in in the in the poker community. Uh, in poker education, how would you say poker itself has helped you or influenced you? Like I don't necessarily want to put words in your mouth, but how how has it influenced you, if at all, to to build uh, the the successful business that you have built? Oh man, what a question! You wanted talking points. So. Yeah, I did want talking points. <laughs> and and to be fair, right? Like I'm a very amateur business person, I, I feel, because this is like a relatively new thing that I've um, been investing my time and, and energy into. Uh, I, I would say, I don't know the answer to this, Duncan. I, I really okay. don't know because, you know, it's understanding people, right? Which is maybe my best skill as a human that is translated 
to a bunch of different areas of life and namely poker, right? Um, poker is the first place where understanding people really had an impact and was very, a very useful skill to have at the poker table. Um, and from there, you know, we can talk about marketing, right? Like understanding mm -hmm. people and marketing and writing sales copy. That's a very pivotal part of it. Uh, understanding like what people want, you know, when I, when I made preflop bootcamp, I, I guess a, here's a lesson from poker. Okay. This is a good one. Um, I've never been afraid to do something different if I thought it was the right thing at the poker table. I've never been afraid to look dumb. I've never been afraid of being judged. Um, I just do what I think is best and then I move on. And in business, when, you know, I struggled with making my first product, it was a deep struggle. I didn't know what to do. Um, and I had the idea because I had built a community and a lot of people were posting hand histories and they were messing up preflop and it was very common. And yet with all market research that I did, there was nothing that I could find that said like a preflop bootcamp type of product would be successful. There was no price points. There was no information. You just couldn't find it. And, you know, I, I just took a chance that this is a thing that I think the community needs that I think would benefit them. And so I'm going to build it out to the best of my ability and sell it. Um, and that was really the first time where, because in traditional sales, traditional marketing, traditional business, you do a lot of market research. You under, you try to fit, find out what people are asking for, you know, on Reddit, on two plus two, all the forums, and then you make that thing, you fill that demand, right? Um, which is something I'm terrible at, by the way, I am really bad at market research and I don't know why, but I hate it. I, I think it may be because, you know, I'm a creative person by nature and I like building things the way that I want to build them and building things that I think will be beneficial, which it doesn't always jive with what the market, uh, wants. Right. Um, so for me, that, that was an, a major lesson that I learned from poker was like, just do your own thing, do it to the best of your ability and try to provide a service that you think will be beneficial, even if people aren't clamoring for it. And that served me very, very well with, you know, making my first product with preflop bootcamp. And I try to follow that, um, as I move forward with other pro products as well. This is, this is excellent. And, uh, a few, a few points, like as, as you were talking, like the first one, the idea that, um, uh, you don't care what other people are saying, right? I mean, when you try, you try different things in uh, poker. That, <laughs> in, in poker. Sure. Yeah. No, no. That, I think, I think that's important because I think if you don't judge yourself, um you, you nobody else can judge you right i mean the idea that offense cannot be given it can only be taken right i mean if you if you let somebody else offend you or judge you that's because you're letting yourself being offended or judged i think that's 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 very relevant um and uh, i it just took thought me a long time by the way to get to that place it was not something that like happened overnight it, it was it was a transition and one of the major things I think that I realized was that there are different levels to this game. And most of the time, the feedback of somebody like crushing me historically or posting a hand or whatever it was, was me, I recognized that they were operating from a lower level. And as soon as mm -hmm. I could recognize that like the, a lot of the criticism um, were people operating uh, from a lower level playing poker, 
then I could just throw it away and was like, ah, that's just not useful anymore. But I mean, there have been periods of time, you know, I, I called the Jack high on a card runners video a long time ago. And we all have at some point, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I called it and like villain turned deuces into a pair into a bluff. Sure. Right. So sure. like I lost a pot. It was like a 2k pot. I thought about deleting the video because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to look like an idiot. And then I was just like, I don't care if I look like an idiot. <laughs> like sure. I sure. made the best decision I could and I posted it and, and you know, the number one comment was this was the worst played hand of my life. Right. So yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, this was the worst hand played hand that I've ever seen. Right. Sure. But, Again, it didn't really affect me because given the opportunity, I would still call with Jack High because I thought it was the right thing to do. Exactly. Um, so you're not judging yourself, right? I mean, that's that, that's my point. You're right. not judging. You, you think you did the right thing. And I think that's very important for like, if we were to extract something again from, from the listener, if you're not judging yourself first, like next time you feel bad about something somebody said, ask yourself if you've actually judge yourself first you know if somebody calls you x they call you a certain name ask yourself first if you think that way about it yourself before that person said that word because i think it really comes down to that if you know somebody calls you x ask yourself do i feel like an x because if i do feel like an x maybe you know that it's not the other person who's hurting me right now i have already accepted this as a failure but in your case you said listen i want to call with jack high because i think it's the right decision so i don't care what you're saying you know i'm not going to judge myself you know and it's uh uh by the way what a terrible call with jack <laughs> appreciate, appreciate oh, that duncan good, yeah, good thing i don't care if you judge me exactly exactly right exactly right. see <laughs> we're training each other yeah. so and uh, um the, uh, the 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 second thing which i thought also is is very um, important that you mentioned there the idea that you're not artificially trying to find a gap in the market space you're not saying listen okay Today, my goal is I'm going to try and find a gap in the market space. Instead, you actually look inside yet again and you see uh, you see something that you you know how to do in this case, you know, some preflop construction or what you call it, the preflop bootcamp. And then you realize that there is a need in the market somewhere and then you concentrate on that idea. If it was something else internal that you may be good at, but already the market has done really well about it, like let's say river bets or whatever it might be, or like three bed ratios or whatever it may be, um, you just just don't go there. I think there's a difference, and 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 honestly, like I'm not entirely sure if you know some of the most successful, and I'm gonna put this as an open question: some of the most successful people out there have actively, artificially, were looking to feel empty holes in the market space or they happen to be in the right place at the right time like people like bill gates for example with the, you know the expansion of the of, of the computer you know or like steve wozniak you know like these the technology guys were they really trying to feel a space or they just happen to have a passion that nobody else you know knew how to navigate at that point and they sort of like naturally organically they filled a market a, a, a market space yeah probably uh, I mean, it, it could be a mix, right? I, I would say it wasn't due to lack of trying that I didn't take that approach. It was just, I sure. tried, I saw what people were selling and buying and stuff. And it just wasn't that interesting to me, honestly, I, I just didn't want to do it in that way. So, um, it, and it felt like a giant mistake doing, going out on a limb 
um, with no real evidence in the market that online on, on the internet. Um, but I did, um, many kudos to Ben settle, a guy whose marketing newsletter I read, um, who basically said like, you know, he wouldn't have a business if he did what his peers said, right. If he, you know, research, like he, he sells, um, very expensive copywriting books, right. Like mm-hmm. $500 for a book. And everybody told him when he was starting a publishing company, like, it's not a thing. You can't charge $500 for a book. Right. Um, and then he did. And coincidentally, I own like four of those books. So I, right. I guess there was a market for it after all, but I mean, basically, um, yeah, it, it's in my experience in, or in my opinion, it's more fun doing things that way because then you get to explore your creativity and you get to press the boundaries of what's possible and what's not possible without listening to other people who are saying that like, it's not a thing, it's going to fail, it's not going to work, etc. Absolutely. No, no, this is this is this is great stuff. And, and I'm already trying to make the connections uh, of what you're saying to, to Poker Table. And, and, and tell me, tell me if I sort of like, got that uh, a little bit. So for example, what you're describing right now, you're describing a combination uh, between a research and something that appeals to you, right? So it's a combination of the two. And immediately what comes to mind is the study that happens at the poker table. And it can be the study of, we can go all the way from, you know, uh, databases, we can talk about GTO, let's put that out there. Why not talk about population tendencies? We can talk about typical spots. We can talk about exploitative play. All of that is studying, right? So we're studying the, the Flopzillas of the world and the Equilabs and all of that stuff and the Pios and all of that stuff, you know, the, the studying, that's the research. But then there is the point where we have to choose for ourselves, okay, now there's like the loose aggressive style, there's the tight aggressive style, there is the in-between aggressive style. I mean, we, we just have to be a little bit aggressive. We know with passive is not going to work, right? So, but anyway, so which style is for me, like the needy aggressive style, whatever, like which style is the more style that I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested in? And then perhaps, you know, that's something that happens in poker, right? I mean, there's an entire process of what works, what is the, uh, and in some sense, to take the metaphor a little bit further, and please tell me if I'm taking it too far, because I may very well be taking <laughs> it too far. The idea, we're sitting at the poker table, and then we need to choose among some different styles, a style that we want to play, which would like we don't necessarily, for example, let's say that needy is too boring for us. We don't want to play a needy style, but at the same time, we need to be able to feel the market spot at the table, which is a metaphor for the style that actually counters the styles at the poker table. So if we have a bunch of maniacs at the poker table, I mean, obviously we have to tighten up a little bit, right? And and choose the out of those possible styles the one that actually fits um, our personalities a little bit the, the best. Right. So basically you have to wear many masks and you have to be right. adept at deploying many different styles. Right. And this is sort of the, the challenge of the poker player when they sit down at a table is to um, not to really deploy a style, but to figure out what strategy is going to be superior based on this specific table configuration and, and then utilizing that strategy. Right. Like that's, Correct. that's the game, but it, it entails... But, uh, a wide no, range of knowledge and understanding like what each of those strategies actually looks like and then how to deploy them, which means that like, you know, the poker player has to understand most of the game tree, right? Mm-hmm. In order to figure out 
where um, opponents are lacking and where they can generate edge from, which is quite a challenging task, right? Like, especially when you're on the defensive, right? Like when you're on the defensive, you need to know how to defend against a third pot size bet. You need to know how to defend against 75% pot size bet, an over bet, um, you know, small bet on flop, over bet turn, big bet on flop, over bet turn, big bet on flop, check back, over bet river. Like we need to know how to deal with all of these different spectrum of sizes that villains can use as well as the frequencies that villains are using in order to be successful. And, you know, it means that poker is quite challenging and oh, quite it tough. Is very, and, and very much so. That's one of the things that, that makes it quite fun. Absolutely. The, the, the critical point that I was trying to make is that out of all those hats, we should be able to wear multiple hats. I agree with you. There are just certain hats that we wear them better, I feel, you know, and, and that is actually a, a real thing. There are styles that we're better at. And especially at, at a live setting, some people are better, for example, with speech play. You know, you can take that into a. So what I would I would argue I is that out of all of these hats, which which you would need to know how to wear multiple of them, and I agree with that hundred percent. What's your hat, Duncan? <laughs> Anything that covers my boldness. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. What's your natural uh, natural hat at the poker table? I think like ultra aggressive. Uh, ultra aggressive, sort of like maniacy, and on the tighter side, mm. probably. That's the the the, the one that uh, you know. I would. That's that's the that's the hat that I you know, I wear the most comfortably. Yeah. At, at, at the poker table, I think. Um, I think I'm loose, degen, splashy. Um, live for big spots. Like I live for big spots. I, I want action. Um, action. That's that's really just kind of me in a nutshell at the poker table. I want action. I want to be involved. I want to be in the mix. I don't want to be sitting out. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And you, you probably perform you perform better at these situations, right? I mean, when you when you know you you, you act, uh, perhaps it's uh, it's easier for you to make less mistakes. Let, let let's say, like you know, and even if you can wear the other hats comfortably, uh, it's perhaps like your mistake ratio goes down if you're with the, with the most comfortable hat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that could be like, you know, back to, to, to Rolo's very big question, right? I mean, that could be something which sounds to me you did with, with your business here, right? I mean, you chose the thing that out of the spectrum of things that interest you, right? You chose the one that also there was a, a, a market space for, right? So, and I think that that ties to the idea of we do a lot of studying. Uh, so there is a research necessary. We, we can't just like do this without research. But then again, we choose the thing which is closer to what where we can perform the best i agree yeah. and yeah like extracting you know what i just said away from the poker table um wearing the hat that makes sense i, I think this is also applicable in business and marketing and, and all of these things as well where we have a natural talent and my end goal is to utilize my natural talents to the best of my ability and make hires for other people whose natural talents are different than mine but there's a need for them within the business. You know, I think that's should, should probably be the goal of most businesses. Um, but yeah, definitely a lesson that's that's been taken from poker. Absolutely, and and I would also like since we're we're, we're talking about businesses, I would also add there was a very interesting uh, example. Um, there is a, a famous backgammon player. Unfortunately, his name eludes me right now, and uh, I hate when that happens. We'll we'll go with it. And he was talking about. We'll hear the apologies uh, next week in the the intro. I'm sure. 
that's excellent. <laughs> yes. Um, and he was talking about the idea that um, I think him and some of his fellow um, backgammon players were recruited uh, and to become uh, day traders because backgammon players, very similar to, to the poker players, the only difference between backgammon and, and poker, I call them, you know, uh, level two and level three games. So um, has the, the, the thing that we don't know about backgammon is what the dice is going to bring next, which is the equivalent of we don't know what the turn and the river are going to be. Uh, whereas the uh, poker poker has an extra layer of uh, um, luck, which is essentially the imperfect information that we don't know what the whole cards are. Uh, so poker is slightly more complicated than than backgammon, which is a game of perfect information. But in any case, both of these games have the extra layer that depend on luck. So you don't know in backgammon what the outcome of the dice is going to be, and you have to play around it. Similarly with poker, you don't know what the turn and the river are going to be or the flop, so you have to play around them. And and these people were so good at taking risks, they actually performed really well, uh, believe it or not, in, in, in Wall Street. Now, the cover, and, and I see you smiling here. Shocker, <laughs> you, shocker of the century. It's shocker of the century, right, exactly. And uh, And of course, you know, on the same breath, I should probably say that uh, there can be dangers, you know, to excessive risk taking, of course, right? I mean, and we've seen some of those dangers in 2008. So I'm not just saying that, you know, you know, poker players and backgammon players are the best people to be in Wall Street because they can actually take the entire well, economy down. Yeah, I, I would say another skill, right? The risk taking is another mm -hmm. skill that I, I've definitely learned from poker, right? EV of decisions and weighing options based on, you know, downside and then upside, trying to find spots with asymmetrical returns where the risk is worth um, the investment is definitely something that I think about all the time that comes from poker in my business life. Very good, risk-taking. So if we were to do, uh, because again, we, we talked about so many things and hopefully that was uh, um, helpful for Rolo to answer his question, but if we were to do a little bit of a summary towards the end, like throw uh, rapid fire some of the things that uh, poker has helped us, and it doesn't have to be all-inclusive, you know, yeah. we can give a few of those things. Um, Dealing with pressure. What, Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, we're not taking we're we're not taking turns. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's let's take turns. Uh, per, lack perspective for me that would be number one. Getting a perspective when when it comes to to luck. Yeah, um, understanding and analyzing risk. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, patience has helped me tremendously with with patience. Um, I'm out. I'm out of talking points. You win. You win the game, Duncan. We, we went it's back not, and forth. It's not. It's not a game. You, you said. You said. You said. You said. Business. You said a lot of things. Exactly. The, the yeah. idea. The idea of, of marketing. First of all, you said people, right? Okay. And I, and actually, that reminded me. I wanted to ask you something about people earlier. Um, how many of the people you use today in your business are one way or another related to poker? In other words, how poker helped you uh, to expand your uh, social spectrum that helped with your business? Um, the only person that I would say is not in the poker space would be my assistant, Gwen, um, who, who I hired independently. And then everyone else that I communicate with on a regular basis. I mean, really, poker is the center of my life experience. I met my, met my wife playing poker. I've 
met all my best friends through poker. Um, all my connections to the podcast come through poker. Uh, the folks who work behind the scenes on things like website, SEO, these sort of things, poker, um, you know, just poker has, has been the basis in which my social life has been built around and yeah. So it can help with PR too. You know, that's the networking. Absolutely. Networking, right. It is, it is a social, it is a social game. And one of the things that I always, you know, uh, tell my students, and I, by now I'm pretty sure I sound like a broken record, both here and in, in class, is that I, I, tell, I tell them, you know, there's always going to be a contrast between uh, having fun and profitability. These two things are at odds. They don't have to always be at odds. You can having fun while having profitability too, but they're going to be at odds. But there's absolutely nothing wrong. And I mean it, there's absolutely nothing wrong to want to have fun at the poker table and even lose money. Yes, I said that. If you if you do want to go at the poker table, instead of just, you know, like going and, and, and dusting off your money on like a roulette table, you want to do that at the poker table, that's 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 perfectly fine. And and, and and no, I'm not being predatorial. I'm not asking people to come at the poker table and dump money what, to me. What, no, what that's time are you going to be playing, Duncan? Do you exactly. want to give out, give out your business, business card and starting the game? Uh, that's right. Exactly. Like this. I was inspired by the recent uh, Hustler Casino Live. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was something. That was something. But in all fairness, though, like if you want to go with your friends, you know, stakes that money you can afford to lose and all that stuff, and have a beer and gamble and be loosey goosey, and by all means do it. Like you know, I see sometimes my students they want to gamble and they feel so terrible. You know, the rest of the class is going to judge them, and I'm the first one. Who doesn't because it's very important to understand that poker is a social game before and everything else as long as you can control your losses you know nobody hurts you know if you if you lose that money again you could be gambling to the horses you might as well you know give it to some hard-working professionals at the poker table hey <laughs> i mean i like having a sweat again mm -hmm. as a human right like degenerate i like having a sweat right. um you know in the cpg wolves program like there will be a few times each week where you know we fire up uh, zoom and play mini golf against each other and there you go and gamble right like that this happens go. quite regularly we play settle settlers of Catan against settlers each other and there's always a gamble when we play settlers um i i think that again if you go uh play a round of golf there's costs that you that that are incurred you, you pay green fees you, you buy your clubs you, there's just all, all these costs for doing something that's fun so going off and blowing some steam and like playing terribly at one, two and having fun or going to play a slot machine. If that's your jam to, you know, blow a hundred bucks, like, you know, there are plenty of ways to blow a hundred bucks, at least with a slot machine, you get a sweat and that sweat for a lot of people brings value. So absolutely nothing wrong with that. I would say the biggest thing is like the, the outward stigma of gambling to mm -hmm. the human population at large that's, you know, come from religion or wh whatever um, anecdotal stories about, you know, Uncle Jimmy losing the the past Wilson empire by betting, you know, the horses or whatever, whatever story that like. These uh, we we agreed we will never talk about Uncle Jimmy again. <laughs> <laughs> he lost everything. I would never be doing this podcast Brad, right Brad. now. Okay. Okay, cut this out, cut this out, cut this out. <laughs> this yeah, is awesome. I think gambling has been like stigmatized by 
society at large when the reality is like everything that we do in life is gambling waking up i went on a walk earlier today um put on my my airpods listened to my audiobook and just walked and and like yeah somebody could just smash into me hit a curb like i'm gambling by leaving my front door somebody could roll up and shoot me full of bullets right like stranger things have happened in, in the world so everything that we do has some sort of element of risk. And as long as the risk is okay, and it's not going to be harmful to you emotionally, psychologically, not harmful to your family, et cetera, um, then yeah, go go for it. Go for it. Exactly. And incidentally, that was a, another lesson that poker taught me and it applies to everyday life. I used to be very um, inquisitive. I used to be very curious. I used to be very, and, and probably I'm being a little bit too nice to myself. I was like, when it comes to, um, I should say, what I was inquisitive about, like people who buy lottery tickets, I was like, I should say critical. That, that's probably that's probably a better way to judge myself, right? <laughs> Judgmental, you know, like, why would you buy a, a lottery ticket? But then poker taught me something. It's like, Duncan, not everybody assigns value in an EV sense, right? So we may assign value, for example, to you know a lottery ticket by just a pure EV. So it's because it's negative EV, nobody should buy. We'll say nobody should buy a lottery tickets, but it doesn't work like that. Which was my assign- stance, by the way, for a good eight years—not eight or nine years. <laughs> it was like, why would you do such a thing? You're paying a dollar; they're giving you back a quarter. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? But then if we think about it. They're not. They're paying a dollar. They don't get a quarterback. They get a quarterback in in dollars, but they may get two dollars in entertainment. You know, they may get in the anticipation, in the fact that what if that what if has so much value to some people. That's the and sweat. That's what I realized. That's it is the a sweat. sweat. Exactly. The price of the sweat. And for some people, it's priceless. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe you guys should buy more of these, actually. Yeah, right? that, because, I had know, the same thought. Like, I'm going to go buy a bunch of lottery tickets now. That's a lottery ticket. It's value no. in the sweat. <laughs> Let's go. You heard it here, folks. Let's go buy lottery tickets. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you go to the movies, right? And it's uh, typically going to be like 30 bucks Overpriced. or so, right? So you, you go to the movies, buy popcorn. It's 50 bucks at least, right? You buy mm-hmm. $50 mm-hmm. in lottery ticket. Um, what's the difference? And one, you get to experience cinema in the movie, right? That's the value. And then the other, you get to sweat whether you win or not. And you get to daydream about what you'll do with all the winnings and right. the people you'll help or the way that you'll squander your fortune like Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> Uncle I Jimmy. Mean, yeah, you can... You, Strike the, number two, Brad. Strike number two. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of value in the sweat is basically what, what I've learned. There's more than one way to quantify um, your return, which you know poker actually taught me to quantify it in one way. And over time, I've sort of learned um, that there's multiple ways and that the sweat itself has value. And that's actually the sweat itself is what, you know, casinos are built on anyway. Exactly. And, 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 and that matters. And I think that's that's actually a wonderful way to, uh, uh, to, to finish this up. I mean, there is so many things in both practical that uh, will happen in real life, but also theoretical or philosophical or, or, or psychological that can improve the perspective. Like if, for me, for example, I would put perspective as number one. I mean, poker, I, I, I used to say, you know, you make your own luck until I found poker, right? <laughs> and it's, it, it's very arrogant, I mean, to say that you make your own luck. I mean, you, you, you can, you know, influence, if you will, your own luck. I mean, you can roll better dice, you know, instead of like, 
a, a 30% win dice, you can roll maybe a 50 or 60 or 70, depending on how hard you work, but you can never roll 100% dice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, good talk, man. Good stuff. And thank you to the listener for listening today. Be sure to subscribe and rate um, Chasing Book of Greatness on all the platforms. Subscribe to Duncan's YouTube where you can see these videos of Philosophical Friday every single week. Um, we'll have a link to Duncan's YouTube in the uh, Philosophical Friday discussion. And yeah, I think we'll shut it down and catch y'all next week. Absolutely. Good talking to you, Brad, as always. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.